Hello and welcome to The Art of Being, a podcast where we talk about art and life and design. I'm Susanna and let's get started. I've always thought of breakups almost like a amputation or a wisdom teeth removal. Fortunately enough for me, mine came shortly after I was uh, finally got my wisdom teeth removed. I'd needed to do it for years, but just hadn't had the courage to go to the dentist and hear them say, it's going to cost you this much money to get these bad boys out. I don't actually remember the last time I'd been to a dental hygienist or a dentist in general. If I had a guess, it's probably been at least six years, um, long enough that we still had a dental plan. My dad being in the military and other things just were easier then, but things happened and it fell through the cracks. And right before my big presentation to my internship, my teeth decided that they wanted to kill me. They needed out as soon as possible, and they were infected. It was very dangerous, and then once I got to the dentist, I was pulled through three different kinds of dental practitioners. The first one was a normal hygienist, likely more focused on pediatrics and orthodontistry in children, orthodontics in children. Um, they looked at my mouth and scanned it, and it seemed like everything was okay. My teeth were still there. They weren't killing me, literally. But then the actual oral surgeon came and gave me a look, and uh, when she looked in, she said that I needed to get it taken care of today or as soon as possible. And I was pretty much sent home with a warning that if I didn't go to a more serious surgeon as soon as possible, there's a risk of a infection spreading to my heart and leading to my own death. Um, eventually, at least a very risky period. Um, I knew it hurt. I knew if I swallowed, it felt like I had this giant thing in the back of my throat, but I really hadn't taken it too seriously, and the pain had been slowly increasing over the course of the week leading up to that presentation. It was the day before the presentation, and I didn't know what to do with myself, so I waited a few hours and tried to stay calm and got my paperwork together and went to a real oral surgeon where they focused on wisdom teeth removal as well as other uh, more serious uh, practices. So I went there and they sat me down and looked at my mouth and talked me through how my wisdom teeth were continuing to collect some kind of food in the back of my throat and causing an infection that did need to be addressed as soon as possible. They offered to take them out the next day, but I told them, hey, I have this huge presentation. So the procedure was scheduled for the following week. Um, I believe it was the following Thursday because I had another big presentation on the following Monday when classes were to start. So I got the scheduling and they gave me the medication that I needed. All the while, he was distant, not really there, not really too engaged. He told me to send something to his sisters because one of them had gotten their wisdom teeth taken out or something like that. And so I did, and they didn't respond because I sent them a huge freaking paragraph because I either said nothing or I sent everything. And so I felt very awkward then, and things had been strange for a long time leading up to that point, but it was only the tip of the iceberg, really, and none, neither of us wanted to address the real ice laying beneath that was 
likely going to sink our little Titanic. It was over a year at that point, and I think both of us knew that things were getting sh different and more strained, and neither of us were able to talk about our feelings and talk about our frustrations. We didn't fight well, and I was too emotionally drained from the chaos at home to really deal with the conflict in a productive way. And I was dead from my internship that was exhausting, and I was still struggling with a lot of workaholism, and I think I still do. I mean, I'm always trying to do things and make things, but I think that's part of being human too, and excited about life. Um, but I guess the real danger came when, you know, things were changing very quickly, and I wasn't really able to process because he was so far and he wasn't communicating anything um texting and calling were our only modes of conversation because we were long distance and had been for most of our relationship um but he stopped texting and he stopped calling and he started acting very very strange i knew that something was wrong but i don't think he wanted to address it either so we just languished at that point it was a slow death relatively slow compared to my parents right now, but I don't know, or I guess relatively fast compared to my parents right now. Um, my parents are still alive, it's just a relationship that's on life support. Um, so the wisdom teeth were taken out that following Thursday, and along with that, I had a feeling, a gut feeling, that something else that I'd gotten so used to, even though it was causing me great pain and was likely risking my own well-being, was on the brink of removal as well. Like I said, I always thought of breakups almost like a limb being removed or a, you know, removal of some part of yourself. And it was very much like that. The next week, I think, maybe two weeks later, I went home for Labor Day weekend and I traveled to my parents' house in the eight and a half hours we were apart became nothing. We were together again, but it was different. He was a stranger and cruel to me too. I think he hated me. I know I, I didn't deserve that, but at the same time, I couldn't talk to him about it. And I think I hated him too a little bit. I'm not sure how to feel about that. There were so many conflicting emotions and the fact that you know, I still wanted to be there for him and still wanted that continuity despite the clear, clear distinction that things were different, that he was different, that he had chosen a life that I couldn't follow him down. He gotten super into the EMS and police academy and all these things that were inherently violent. And he also got into like Taekwondo or some sort of martial arts that I simply couldn't come to terms with, with my mother's continual choosing that over our family. It felt like a betrayal when he sought that out and chose to pursue it. And I know for him it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me at all, but I still couldn't shake that, the betrayal I felt in seeing him also choose a similar path of violence, honestly. But I can't really speak to that too much. I know it's not really what martial arts is about, but it felt like that for me. It felt like he was getting out his aggression towards me on that. And I know that's just me projecting my own fears and whatever, but it was still scary to me, and I was still shaken by it.
he wouldn't be gentle anymore and I don't think he knew how to express the anger that he felt towards me in a productive way. The next few days when I was home were very difficult and I've talked about this a lot with my friends but I'm really mostly recording this for myself to you know convert this into the text for a comic or text in general that can make for I don't know something worth sharing I guess it's not necessarily a learning lesson it's just about you know expressing the reality that I experienced it was a strange few days and themselves those experiences in themselves are probably enough for many songs and books and stories the dichotomy I felt between that ridiculously gourmet dinner and then going to bed on a cot the next e that evening without running water in a house in Wilmington, the same street just further down from that fancy, fancy restaurant, and that false reality of having this nice, nice meal but being treated like you're worthless, going to the bathroom just to hide from this relationship that was falling apart, him looking at you like a stranger, you making some small joke about it being a breakup dinner and him not quite laughing and him not quite disagreeing. He made small comments too that just made you feel so worthless, like, you know, I want you to order to practice your social skills or why don't you, you look like you're already drunk when I was just awkwardly pouring water, feeling like the whole world was staring at me and having no respite from that staring and hatred because the way he looked at me was the way I looked at my mom sometimes when I didn't know how to process the way I felt towards her. The frustration of complications that come with a longer relationship is hard because there's so many things that you've been through together, but suddenly those same things that became the foundation can suddenly become the things that destroy you completely. Those insecurities I felt toward the beginning when I've never dated someone before and I got awkward and I had him, you know, hanging out with my parents by himself for a little bit when I was, you know, getting ready upstairs or putting things together and he brought that up in a very malicious sort of way later on. Toward the end, I think I just got used to the frustration and anger instead of standing up and saying who I was. It took me a long time to recognize that I don't have to just survive things. I can actually have an impact and say this is what I want to do. I think I'm still trying to figure that out with art and other things, trying to figure out how to express myself without holding back, without lying to myself about what happened, without sugarcoating things. I lied to myself for most of our relationship, and that's sad, but it's true. I kept brainwashing myself into thinking that he was someone he wasn't, and telling myself that he just was this really good guy that, you know, maybe made some mistakes in the past, but, you know, he's better than that now and stronger than that now, but I don't know if he ever... I mean, people don't change overnight, but I do think in some ways my view of him did help him become maybe a better person a little bit, or at least have someone believing in you it really does help you to grow. I kind of tell myself that maybe I was a good influence on him, but the truth is things were not good, especially toward the end. That summer was probably the worst summer of my life, despite it being so beautiful in some ways. The most beautiful moments were then pinpointed by those most painful ones. 
And the worst part was the languishing silence. Not expressing the pain of the things that were going on, not feeling safe to say that I didn't feel safe, and not willing to admit when I didn't feel that love that I originally felt towards him. And I think in some ways I never really stopped loving him. In some ways I always just wanted what was best for him and for me, but I stopped loving myself and I stopped taking care of myself. I started treating myself like an object and wasn't worthy of anything. I mean, fueled by the fact that I was having an internship that wasn't paying me anything, fueled by remorse for not being able to say things sooner and stand up for myself sooner, remorse that I was losing sight of myself and the things that I really cared about, the things that I cared deeply about became meaningless to me. Art wasn't even something I thought about doing because I didn't feel anything. My emotions felt like subdued screams in a void. I don't know how to describe that, but it was like I felt them, but I didn't really want to. And I was putting them into this box where I couldn't let them out in a way that wasn't damaging in some way. I mean, it was like the box was splintering. And of course, other people were getting paper cuts and splinters. <laughs> I'm not sure how to the word. I guess it's splinters. And I just didn't know where to start talking through myself, talking through my own emotions. I didn't know that I was allowed to feel angry. So when I did feel angry, it came out as a strange, quiet resentment. I just became so distant from everything, including myself. I just became this numbed version, subdued and subservient to myself and others. I don't know how to describe that, but it's invisible too. I don't think anyone really, I mean, I know that he caught on because of course he can tell, but I don't think a lot of people knew that that was what was going on. And, it's really easy to just keep pretending like you're fine <laughs> when you're not really fine. <laughs> that's really, that's a <laughs> when you have to pretend like you're fine, but you're not really fine. I don't know. I think it was probably one of my worst places mentally. And I just didn't want to admit it to anybody, the things that had happened, the mistakes that I'd made, and the devaluation of knowing that I was never going to be that same person again. And there's something beautiful in that too, though. Like, I'm a better person for the mistakes that I've made, I think. At least a more balanced person. I'm willing to accept different aspects of myself that are complex and not as beautiful. The objectivity of myself that I once reviled is now something I have to permanently face. Every time I look in the mirror, I have to also come to terms with all of my duplicitous sides that are complex and self-contradictory. In some senses, I am innocent. In other senses, completely beyond repair. In some senses, I've been traumatized beyond belief, but in other senses, I still live in this idealized world. In other senses, I'm so in love with art and other things that sometimes it becomes too big. And in other ways, I just am numb. And then sometimes I feel so many emotions that I don't know where to put them. And other times, I don't know where to go. I just don't know how to process it at all. When things are too big, I think we all struggle with actually facing our feelings. I don't know. I haven't processed mine yet. And that's part of me doing this. I can talk through it with friends over and over and over again, but there's still a sense of censorship. I can't quite say exactly how I feel because I don't want them to be hurt. And it's like, 
I don't know what I'm preserving by reserving my own emotions for this later date and preserving myself for when I'm ready. I don't know. It's a lot of complicated feelings and honestly there's no right answer. I still think it's important that despite our desires to do evil, we ought to do good. Regardless of how we feel, we must choose to prioritize what's right over what we genuinely want sometimes. And I think that that's the real test of virtue, the test of value. It's not in wanting to do no evil, always being perfect, never thinking any evil thoughts, never even having that pass through your mind, but that choosing to subjugate them to your own moral goals and your own morality that is based on whatever ethical code you choose to embody. I choose, you know, scriptural Christian perspective, but everybody's got some kind of twisted one and often they're way more similar than we care to admit and there's usually an underpinning of this is what is genuinely right i think we can all agree that murder is wrong um and yet in some cases there may be a time when it's right to do something that's usually wrong and everything has its context i'm sure but at least for me i just need to focus on what's the real truth and what's actually going to be beneficial for me in the long run because I can choose to just follow my feelings wherever they go and choose to act on things and impulses that maybe make me feel like I'm a human or make me feel more connected to myself sometimes but there's other times when those same feelings are damaging when you know you completely ignore the balance of life and you focus too much on one area, whether that be prurience or lust for life or not necessarily lust for life, <laughs> um, like overeating, overindulging and other areas, you know, or it's just wiser to surrender that desire to something greater for the wisdom of knowing that your life is more valuable than your immediate. And that requires a lot of perspective and maturity and I think a well-formed prefrontal cortex, but you know, it takes a lot of growing up to really recognize that your life isn't about what you want to do all the time. And I'm just kind of rambling through this now, but I don't know how to say no to myself or others. I thought that it was good to be more interesting, more fun or whatever, but sometimes you have to recognize that your own impulses or other people's impulses are founded on nothing more than cultural expectations or the comfort of doing what's always been done and it's a one thing to think something it's one thing to feel something it's another thing to continually become subservient to that emotion or sensation we have to turn off our own we have to have something bigger. We have to have a, a bigger goal, a bigger will. Otherwise, there's no point in holding back, right? There's no point in holding desires back from ourselves. And I don't know, I enjoy stoicism for that sake, where self-reflection and self-rejection is often the parallel to self-development and success. There's this whole mushroom, ex or not mushroom, marshmallow experiment where they gave kids lots of opportunity to eat these marshmallows but if they waited if they just waited a little while then they could get another one but that experiment was ultimately 
shown to reflect in their later on development as adults to be able to deny themselves a momentary pleasure for something greater they were able to succeed far more and got paid way better and not that success and payment is always equal but there's something to be said for setting aside what you want for the sake of something more and that's usually what love feels most genuine to me when you set aside that carnal desire to say, I want what's right for this other person. And whether that be to other people or even ourselves, when we say, I wish for your good more than your comfort, that's such a powerful statement. And that was ultimately what led to the eventual decay of the relationship and ultimate, I guess, rebirth of something different, myself at least, to recognize that somebody valued me enough to let me go and cared about my good enough to let me become who I was made to become without being held back by them in the relationship that wasn't going anywhere good. And it still hurts. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wanted things to go differently, but there's still something beautiful in things that end beautifully. And the beauty of it ending is completely, completely overshadowed all of those things that led up to it. And honestly that shows more of his character than anything else and i honestly hope that he's able to heal in a way that's productive and he doesn't repeat that same cycle with someone else i think i want that most of all i don't want him to lose sight of the growth that he's made and to focus on being a better sort of person rather than seeking a relationship that'll fix him you know and i just i don't know there's a lot of things that made the end complicated. A lot of inspiration for art and music and things that I w wouldn't have made otherwise, but I also wouldn't have time to have made otherwise. Pain is probably one of our best teachers. It's also probably the one of the biggest inspirations for making art and music. I mean, the process of making is often painful as well, but I can't live without it. I can't create anything without some level of self-reflection and self-reflection often brings about a re reawareness and reawakening of past pain genuine authentic creation does require a stronger foundation than simply wanting to make something you have to have something to say and i think if anything else the relationship ending how it did gave me something to say and the pain of my family gave me something to say the strangeness of it and the complexity of all of the different interconnected pieces has been a master class in life and psychology and reflection on what makes us human and what makes us fall apart. I'm not really sure how much of this is, you know, admissible to the public eye. I don't want anyone to be hurt by what I have to say, but I also have to be true to myself and give myself the strength to say it. You know, that's part of why I held on to that science competition for so, so long. Having something important to say and saying it are two very distinct set of skills, and you have to have a lot of courage to actually follow through on saying things and admitting to your own perfections, admitting to your own brokenness and sickness and unwell-being, because that's kind of the foundation to our own universal human experience. We're all broken, we're all sinful, 
we're all in need of something to believe in, something bigger than ourselves. And I honestly think that for me, it's been, you know, really honestly, almost a spiritual experience to make mistakes and experience the grace that comes after. And it's not like I went out trying to ruin my own life when I dated someone. It's not like I went out trying to give myself as many bad experiences as possible. I think for a time I was very self-destructive and so that reflected in the relationship and it also was from a foundational place of feeling self-worthless, feeling like nobody thought that I was valuable because I wasn't being treated like I was valuable. Strangely enough, I think that my internship still thinks they gave me something quite good or at least gave me something of great enough value that I would want to return in some senses. I don't. <laughs> They really honestly caused so much damage to my own self-esteem. And it's hard to talk about in a way that's helpful, but it gave me awareness that capitalism isn't always a good thing. And if they had sought more uh, fair pay, more fair equal payment and more human rights and stuff like that, I don't think that I would have been staying nearly as long, or at least I don't think they'd have any interns, to be honest. But it's a longer story for another day, but the overall thing is I am valuable regardless of if I'm acting perfectly or if my life is perfect. I am valuable regardless of if I'm the most skilled in my field or the best worker or if I'm always producing the best content. And I am worthy of love regardless of if I'm sometimes angry or sometimes emotional because I also still have so much empathy for everyone and it's so much to give in terms of support and other aspects that I know someone someday will value again and maybe I'll be in a healthier place to value their contribution but until then I know what I don't want right I know how to say no to things that aren't good for me I know how to say I would rather not without feeling any pang of guilt or remorse. Because I know that for me, my standards have skyrocketed and that's a good thing. I should be more aware of what is good for me, but also what is bad for me. And I've learned a lot about what wisdom truly means in terms of developing a healthy perspective on reality. It's not about a fear of making mistakes. It's about the understanding that I'm taking care of myself by being kind to myself when I do make mistakes, but also removing from myself a lot of capacity for being in circumstances where saying no is harder. Removing myself from places where I'd have a harder time protecting my, my own heart from damage. And I think an awareness too of our own morality as human beings being so contingent on what we consume, the things that we often fill our minds with, I didn't realize the level of continual degradation that happens when we watch things passively or aren't actively aware of things that are damaging to our own psyche. I consumed a lot of content that I honestly do regret, and it wasn't anything, you know, extreme, just reflections of unhealthy relationships across all social media platforms becoming the basis for a relationship that did become only what I consumed. <laughs> and I regret that deeply. I think if we can consume better content or look to better examples or 
understand how to love people without expecting something in return. And I think that we'll be in a better place, not only as people, but as a society. Um, there's always room for growth. There's always room for healing. And no one's too far gone. We're still here. We're still alive. And the world hasn't completely fallen apart. So I think if we can just do a little bit more today than yesterday, then we're already doing better. And if I can look at myself in the mirror and accept all of my self-complicated truths that exist in my own life, then I think that we're in a better place to accept our each other's brokenness too. If I can look at myself and love the good and the bad, and love the good, or love the bad despite the good, or love the good despite the bad, I think we're in a better place to truly love other people as well. I don't know, this isn't meant to be some kind of life lesson, but it's given me a lot of awareness on the ways in which we treat other people as worthless when they've fallen away from what's healthy for them, rather than reaching with compassion to say, hey, you deserve better than the way that you're treating yourself. Let's restore you to a role of sonship and ownership and kingship, and let's restore something that's been broken instead of becoming kind of a mockery to say, hey, you've fallen. Ha, look at how far you are now. Look at how far away I am now. Look at how much better I am than you. If we can reach down and say, hey, I've been there and I've been away from it too. Let's help you get back on your feet. Then I think that we can really grow to accept and love people without expecting some instant change either. I don't know how, I don't know how to change in a meaningful way. But I'm always striving towards it. I don't know how to truly heal some of this stuff from the past, but I'm striving towards it and I'm believing in myself and I'm hopeful for what's to come and that's huge progress. Nobody's too far gone just because you've made a mistake and I think the lie of that is just to keep us stuck. And it's something that we've learned, you know, over time. I think a lot of parents have a false understanding of what will make, you know, a learning experience worth having. I think a lot of parents want to preserve children from having experienced pain, and too often that just ends up having a higher, higher place to fall from and higher standards, but in a way that makes it impossible to return to a place where you're treated like you're valuable. I'm not sure how to talk about it, but there was a lack of awareness for me and that ignorance really led me towards quite a lot of failing and quite a lot of falling that I wouldn't have felt so stuck in if I didn't believe that I was already too far gone. And that's where the danger is, I think, with the way we talk about mistakes often. It's almost like we have to have them be the worst possible thing that can happen or someone's beyond saving when they've made the mistake in order for the mistake to be valid or understand as something that you want to avoid. Because I think there's a lot of inherent interest in, in doing things that are bad for us. There's a lot of inherent like appeal to being drawn towards those things because they are intrinsically satisfying. They give us a quick dopamine rush and if we're feeling depressed or struggling with being a teenager in general, or being a young adult in general, I think it's really easy for us to become stuck into those things because 
there's no downside, it seems, from the outset. But the real cost is in our lack of development as people, in our lack of having something to stand upon when we aren't able to get enough of that fix, whether that be video games or drugs or sex or anything else. We can't become so wrapped up in needing that stimulus because that will never truly satisfy and it's not made to. If we're able to truly become who we're made to become by investing ourselves in creation rather than destruction or self-destruction, then I think we'll be in a better place to be able to reach out and help each other out. Um, all that to say, I think it's been unproductive a lot of the ways that Christianity in general has gone about our holding our morals rather than holding to identity, truth, and becoming people of God instead of becoming not sinners. Because I don't think that we ever truly lose our own propensity to become less moral or less human. Because really, a lot of times, those things that become our animalistic impulses that we just become so caught into following passively, we become less human or less... I don't know that there's a higher level of humanity, but we just aren't as connected to our empathy for others or our need for self-reflection or self-rejection. We turn off that part of ourselves and become so attuned to our own satisfaction in the moment that it's really easy to lose sight of what's true. And there's a second evil for people that are killing that aspect of themselves and never feeling like they can, you know, relax or rest or, you know, have things in a healthy balance because they're so used to seeing those things as the extremes of moral degradation. There's places and spaces for everything and Nothing is inherently evil, I don't think, but context is key and building wisdom means building that perception of when things are appropriate and when things aren't. And the recognition that sometimes you have to say no to yourself, but also to know that sometimes you do have to say yes to things. And I think there's always a balance there of, you know, learning to let go, but learning to hold on. And there's a time for everything. I mean, that's, you know, Ecclesiastes in a nutshell. but. There's nothing more, you don't become more superior to other people just because you haven't made mistakes that others have. And that's a hard pill to swallow if that's what you've been holding on to is why you haven't done certain things. I think I've always struggled with a sense of superiority from a young age, wanting to be smarter than everyone else, wanting to spell words better that you know, acclamation that comes from getting an A where other people got a B or a C, but their focus on some other aspect of their life doesn't take away from their own humanity or moral or worth as a person. It's hard because there is a measurement aspect that we have to always be making when we want to say this is good and this is bad or, you know, there's always measuring, always, always measuring, but you can't measure that feeling. You can't measure your health of a human being, you can't measure our emotional or spiritual aspects. When you get too caught up in scientifically showing that you're better than other people, it's really easy to lose sight of what actually makes you happy, what actually makes you happiest, and what actually is good for you. I don't know. 
none of this is conclusive, none of this is an answer, but I think it's good if we ask better questions. Why do I feel like I need to do this? Why do I feel like I need to avoid that? And if we're able to say no to ourselves sometimes and say yes at other times, I think we can just be better people. There's not necessarily good or bad, but I think there are better and worse. I don't think anyone's beyond saving, but somebody can definitely be worse off than someone else. I'd say I was worse this time last year than I am now, even though in some aspects there were mistakes I hadn't quite made yet and areas I hadn't crossed. And it would take me months to reach that point, but it takes even longer to heal from going beyond your, your breaking point. When you ignore your own lines that you've drawn, I think a part of you just loses faith in yourself. And so, more than anything else, I'm trying to work on my relationship with her. The relationship I have with myself where I follow through on what I say I'm going to do. Where I was almost perfect at it before, or really good at it for a time. Part of me still struggles to be like, alright, other people won't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Even just recording this, I'm not going to share this with anyone really. But the fact of recording it makes it something that's a little more permanent that someone might run across at some point in history. And I know that I'm mainly just using this text from it to inspire myself or to create something worth making, but if in some way this can be helpful for somebody later on, even if it's just myself, then it'll have been well worth it. And being honest with myself is always preferable to pretending that something didn't happen or that something didn't happen in a way that it did happen. You know, for a time, I pretended that things made me worthless. I pretended that I wasn't valuable anymore, and I also pretended that things didn't actually happen the way that they did or as badly as they did. I wanted to hold on to this idea of something that wasn't even real. It's not even real that you somehow are less valuable the first time you've done something. It's really hard to break though. It's really, really hard to break something that you grew up in and something you grew up ingrained in, whether that be food or other aspects of life that are conflated with your morality as a person. When we hold on to one aspect of ourselves as being the salvation of our own souls, of course it gets twisted. Of course it becomes something that once you do fall in and fail in and suddenly you're completely beyond your own saving, that's something that's incredibly humbling. And I, I don't know how to talk about that. But being honest with myself now and being true to myself also includes saying good things and encouraging myself and focusing on the good because a lot of times it's too easy to lie to ourselves and focus on the bad. But that's all it is. It's a lie. It's a lie to focus too much on either side and when we're so overly happy or a fake sense of happy, that's just as bad as being always negative and always, you know, depressed and pointing out the bad, always. It's not really any better either because you're not able to process that grief and so the reality hits and you're just struck by it and overcome by it instead of building the strength to face it. When we face difficult things and lies to ourselves, it's almost like lifting weights. We have to push through it and hold and endure and sit with it. I mean, that's really all any, not anything, but any temptation or anything we struggle with, it's almost like we have to hold on to that endurance and, and endure that, that 
conflict, that struggle, if you can push through those things, if you can get through the other side somehow, then you're better off than a lot of people. Like, you're going to make it in life somehow. Whether that's, you know, just getting through some really, really difficult things or, you know, proving to yourself that you can show up consistently to the gym or get somewhere that's impressive and difficult, climb a mountain even, there's not really a whole lot that you can't somehow build to eventually. And I don't mean that for people that maybe have other things going on health-wise or other aspects of, you know, the financial system that keeps you stuck. But there's a lot of progress that can be made if you really just show up for yourself and focus less on one particular goal and outcome or whatever you think the new year is supposed to give you in some kind of moral change, spiritual change that isn't going to come. You're not going to become someone new. I'm sorry, but that's just not how life works. You have to become that person gradually over time. You're the reflection of your decisions, but you're also the reflection of your circumstances. So change your circumstances and, you know, move out or go seek a new job that's challenging or do what you've always dreamed of doing. Teach yourself guitar. It doesn't have to be something huge. Just show up for it consistently. Drink coffee, drink water, read the newspaper every day, and suddenly you'll become a little bit more like that person that you've always wanted to be or that person you've always looked up to. I don't know, this has ended up being some kind of weird TED talk, but we all have somewhere that we're going and we're never really staying the same regardless of if you think you are or not. You're always either getting gradually better or you're getting gradually worse. In other aspects of life, there's always an imbalancing act. You know, we're all complicated beings with social interactions and our own, you know, reading books and other things, your mental development, your social development your financial development, you have to be, you know, so many different things at once. And maybe that's something really good that's come of being, you know, studying industrial design where you already are trying to do so many things at once. The capacity to switch between tasks and almost put on different hats and be like, all right, well, now I'm an engineer. Well, now I'm a product designer. Well, now I'm a research designer. Well, now I'm, you know, a fashion designer or an artist or a poet all at once. The ability to switch hats so rapidly also allows us to be like this strange chameleon of sorts to become, you know, the best chef, the best, I don't know, meditator even, like random things being like, all right, this is who I am now. Like not being too caught up in being the best in any of those things. I know I said best meditator, but it's like you kind of pretend like you're already good at something at least that's what we really get used to doing in our classes you kind of have to pretend to that you really care about this aspect of design um otherwise you won't really make it um i rambled about this for too long now and i'm not putting this anywhere but um it's helpful to process and helpful to face the the complexities of my own mind where there's so many different facets and aspects that are self-contradictory that do you know cancel each other out at the same time but there's beauty in that my parents aren't good or evil my sisters aren't good or evil the boyfriend i had isn't good or evil it just was that aspect that was highlighted in the time we were together 
and I genuinely hope that he's doing better now. I really hope that I never have to see him again, but I hope that he's doing better now. I also hope he never finds anything I've made because there's going to be some things that I have to do for myself that maybe I wouldn't do if he was still talking to me. Um, but that's going to be it for now. Um, I don't know. Thanks for listening, me. <laughs> Thanks for giving me time to talk my stuff. Thank you.